Jarvis, drop my needle. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. Woo! That's an attention getter. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Oh my God, he's an idiot. You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're an idiot. But that's the evidence in the car. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. After having a year without movies, we're hearkening back to the old days of when we could step out of our homes anytime we wanted to and go see one of a thousand films that were being released that year. It was magical. Ah, yes, those good old times of bygones past, you know, like... 2019. The good so old satis- days. I know it's uh, so long ago. So to satisfy our celluloid cravings, we're diving into another year of cinema and seeing what kind of weirdness we can uncover. Grab your baggy jeans, because we're taking episode 53 back to 1996 in an episode we're calling "Show Me the Movies." <laughs> My name is Todd, and with me, as always, is the man who once swore off all meat, alcohol, and sugar for an entire year before being found the next day passed out drunk in a 7-Eleven covered in Twinkie cream and powdered sugar. He is the mat to my nick. Get a good stretch in because it's going to be a super kick party up in this piece tonight. I give you the man they call Tim. How are you, my brother? I'm doing all right, you know? i feeling, feeling, uh, you know, decent. Feeling good? Oh, let's not get let's not get carried away. Just decent. Ah, oh, and there's the there is the uh, the Zen fountain. Yes, indeed. Ah, we, boy, we've already got you aggravated. We, <laughs> we had to bring it back by popular I know, demand. I know you got that hooked up to a heart monitor, and you just now you're like trying to go to your your Zen place. But I've lost count on. of how many days since the last hospital visit. But <laughs> that's a good thing. It's been a lot, and I can't remember when. So that is a good thing. Yes. And, and it's all because of, of your new Zen ways. You are That's you right. are one with the force. The force is with you. Absolutely. So Serenity to- now and sanity later. Well, pretty much all the time. Uh, so can you name the tag team, sir? Uh, that would be Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, known as the Young Bucks. Glorious. No, I won't give in. Well done, sir. I kind of figured... AEW World Tag Team Champions currently. Yeah, I figured I might be able to sneak that one past you, but then I just said no. This man's wrestling knowledge outstrips my knowledge of basically anything else. <laughs> so there's no way I'm getting this one past him. Well, it's 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 mostly them being involved with AEW, and I, I've kind of... They had a little group called The Elite when they were in New Japan, uh, pro wrestling and uh, you know they Kenny Omega Cody Rhodes I'm trying to think of the other guy Hangman Adam Page uh, they're they're kind of a they, they kind of became big on the independence and they're kind of that core group that started AEW oh. um, I actually think Matt and Nick Jackson with Cody Rhodes and Kenny Omega are all actually I don't want to say um, not shareholders but but kind of like executives in that company because they're they're kind of starting it up with with tony khan who is uh i think his dad's attached to some nfl team so 
Um, there's there's money flowing. And is that uh, Shad Khan? What's that? Shad Khan, the I Jaguars so. owner. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, excellent. So yeah. So so good good trivia there, my friend. I actually uh, got that one. Yeah, well, you know, you get more of them than you than you miss. So that's, that's what's really important, I think. So what do we got? Uh, what do we got for the week in geek, sir? Week in geek. Feels so funky. Oh, we got some good stuff, my friend. Oh, hit me, hit me, brother. Oh, the 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 big one, the the one that I think uh, demands a few minutes of debate mm. uh, this week. We heard rumors, rumors, stories, thoughts, ah, whispers. Dis- one. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. <laughs> Free range idiocy after dark. <laughs> but uh, rumors it's are. It's 841 and uh, welcome to Perspectives. <laughs> You're watching Perspectives. <laughs> That's a, good, I, that's a deep poll, brother. That's a deep poll. Thank you. I love how we keep going back to these Saturday Night Live skits that no one remembers. Like, what? what and what? most of them involve Tim Meadows, which is completely appropriate because he was in some just fantastic stuff that doesn't get enough praise, I think. I, I would agree. So, anyways, before I rudely interrupted you, you were speaking of desires, I believe. Yes, Robert Downey Jr., oh, Star Wars. Really? The two may be coming together very, very soon. Oh boy! And, oh uh, boy! You know it's it's you know now that he's kind of done with Marvel, uh, although I think he's still going to be involved with Marvel in some way, shape, or form. Uh, yeah, rumors are that he is interested. You know, he's uh, friends with John Favreau. Favreau, mm-hmm. of course, uh, one half of the sci-fi tag team of Favreau and Filoni. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to bring him into the Star Wars universe, I think would be genius i think it would be a a very very cool maneuver and really the point of debate something you and i were were texting about in the pre 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 production meeting earlier this week also yes texting one another yes exchanging gifts back and forth yes was was avoid working the rumors ranged from him coming in as uh you know potentially playing a character from the original books of the Thrawn trilogy from the early 90s, the Timothy Zahn novels, mm-hmm. uh, Talon Card, who is a smuggler, Han Solo-type character, ranging from that to the other extreme, which I'm kind of excited about if it comes to fruition, which is throwing his hat in the ring of one of many candidates who could play Grand Admiral Thrawn. Thoughts, sir? <sighs> Man, you know, we need a little good news these days, and I'll, I'll take it anywhere I can get at this point. Absolutely. Amen. So uh, my opinion, I would I would actually like to see him as Talon Card more than I would like to see him as Grand Admiral Thrawn. I'm mm-hmm. still holding out for Benedict Cumberbatch for Grand Admiral Thrawn. I know it probably won't happen. I still think he would be perfect for that. Benedict I think he would be- Cumberbatch. My name is Khan. I think he would be perfect as Grand Admiral Thrawn. That's just me. I think Robert Downey Jr. would be good as Talon Card because I think it would still be a departure for him. I don't think he would be Tony Stark. I don't think he'd be as quite as as snarky as he was in the in the Iron Man and Avengers movies. I think he it would still be enough of a departure because he would be that up class upper class like. I'm just a businessman who mm-hmm. happens, my business happens to be smuggling, mm-hmm. but having a little bit of flair to him as well and and really just kind of having things planned out, I think 
I would like to see him do that. And then I would like to see him kind of going a little back and forth with a Han Solo, whoever they would get to play the the young Han Solo. That's just my my opinion. Either way, I mean, good Lord, what a world that we live in where this might happen. Oh, sweet mama. Yeah. And, yeah. And what do you think, sir? So... I, I kind of swing the other way where I, you know, you and I were texting about this and, uh, you know, I think for me, what would be interesting um, would be to see Robert Downey Jr. as Thrawn, mainly for two reasons. One, he would be playing a villain as opposed to a hero character. Mm hmm. And two, Thrawn is is very much to the other end of the extreme from from a Tony Stark. You know, he, he's very yeah. calm. He's very calculating. He, you know, is, is a is a student of, you know, the cultures of the the races that, that he is going up against. He's intelligent as, you know, as you talked about, one of the few competent, you know, imperial uh, officers in, in the upper echelon. Yeah, up until we saw Moff Gideon, really the only one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I think it would be kind of, an interesting departure for him to play that kind of character. Mm. Um, would he fit everyone's, you know, as, as Jimmy Dice would put it, the, you know, everyone's head canon of what Thrawn should be? I don't know. I, I, I but I'm kind of interested to see what he would bring to the table. Um, yeah. For those who are not familiar with the Thrawn trilogy and, and would, uh, you know, we our episode 41 with Jimmy Dice talking about those, those books. Um, mm -hmm. Talon Card is very much um, kind of an evolution, if you will, from from Han Solo in the sense that he is, like, like you said, he is very much kind of like a businessman. He's not at the Lando Calrissian level, but he is definitely has an organization. Oh, I think he's actually a, beyond where Lando is. Hello, what have we here? Do you I think? Mean, Oh, yeah. This is a guy who's got his own fleet of ships. He's It's a well-run organization. He has multiple hideouts on, on, on multiple planets, has a plan. Like, Lando's thing is always like, you know, I'm going to borrow some money. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. He always right. seems like his... He he thinks big, but they're the the thing with Lando is they're always kind of on the verge of collapse. Yeah, you know, like yeah. he is always riding that line of like just how far can I push it, and that's cool. Like I mean, that's that's cool for his character, and it reflects, mm -hmm. you know, kind of who he is. Yeah, like as yeah. that you know, kind of a, uh, you know, gambler sort of you know sort of guy and all that and that's great card to me is actually a much better businessman like that dude's got his his stuff locked down you know like he knows exactly what's going on he knows how to play the game Agreed. and he's not stretched too far like he is very much in control that's that's what but I, I think. wouldn't uh, at least in my head canon as I'm reading the books I don't think of Talon Carr, though, as kind of a Lando Calrissian businessman, though. Maybe the best way to put it is, would, would, would you agree that he's kind of a, a like a 50-50 mix of Lando and Han? No. Like like he's no, I, a little bit of a dirtbag like Han Solo, you know, as far as being kind of a scrappy smuggler, but at the same time, you know, businessman organization kind of focused. No, I would have to go more into almost like a Don Corleone sort of thing. Really? Like, I think he's got. A, I think he has a moral compass, and I think in those books it comes out like he he ultimately ends up doing the right things. Yeah, yeah. And and it's not a matter of him being a dirtbag or anything like that. Like he's a businessman whose business is smuggling, mm -hmm. and and that's just how he looks at it. The same way, like a lot of those old, like the 
uh, you know, and, and just to go with Don Corleone again, like he provides a service yeah. and, and sort of like in, in Goodfellas, like, you know, this is the police for wise guys. You know, right. this is this is who you go to for protection. And this is the, these are the services they provide. And, you know, I, I, that's how I look at it. And, and that's why I don't I, I don't see Hans. I don't see him as a like he is the progression of Han Solo. To me, it's like that would be. And this is why actually another and this just occurred to me, which is why I'm a little bit scattered on it, but George Clooney would be actually a really interesting pick for a talent card. Like the older, wiser, I've been there, I've done this, mm-hmm. you know, guy who who wasn't Han Solo who became dissolution in this like the guy who just very slowly and, and kind of methodically over years built up his empire of, yeah. of his his smuggling empire. And now he's he's just got it all locked down, but yet he's he still has that nagging conscience, <laughs> you know. Right, right. I I guess for me, I I never pictured Card that way. I I didn't picture him like Han Solo, where he's, you know, constantly kind of shooting from the hip and improvising, and just trying to you know get by. You know, cl- clearly he's yeah. he's more evolved than that. And and as we talked about, he he is organized, like you said, he has. He has his kind of established base of operation. He has backups. He, he's very prepared. But yet I, I never really thought of him. And it's something for me to think about because when I've read those books, I've always kind of pictured him as still that rogue character, just way more organized than Han Solo was. But, yeah. But, but, not, but if you hold up Lando Calrissian as kind of like the businessman, I, I never thought of him that way or thought of him above him. So that's kind of interesting. But having that sort of head thought about him that's why i thought if 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 robert downey jr plays him it feels so close to the tony stark stereotype that or archetype that it just feels like it's it's just a retread just slightly different you know what i mean which is why i thought thrawn would kind of be a more interesting take for for him to do because it would be something so out of the norm for him and and you know again just kind of on the complete other side of the spectrum just a totally different character from tony stark totally different you know villain where Mm. he's more of kind of the thanos type except he's he's just more intelligent you know as far as you know what we've seen in the star wars universe and and that's where i thought it'd be kind of interesting to see him play that oh i could i could see that i just i'm i'm more interested to see what he would bring to the card character yeah, and, and, and given your vision of it, I could buy into that then. You know, I, I just I haven't thought of Talon Card that way. So it's very interesting kind of that perception that, that you're describing because I when I read the books, I, I wasn't really thinking of him that way. And another thing to keep in mind too is that what informs Tony Stark's character and the journey that he's on is that he comes from essentially being a kind of a spoiled rich kid. Yeah. Yep. I mean, he grew up in, in luxury and, and has never had to really want for anything. I mean it seems like he, you know, he's a he's a genius level, of course, and 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 does manage to achieve great things, but mm-hmm. it's all really kind of easy for him. Yeah. And Talon Card does not come from that, so there's not that same arc. There isn't that same origin. You couldn't play Talon Card as Tony Stark because it wouldn't ring true. Right. And it's like right. this guy didn't come from, you know, working his way up through the ranks. Mm-hmm. You know that that that's it, 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 to me that's where the where it would diverge and where it would be different um, for him to play that. I just, you know, I think, I think it would be a better fit. That's just me though. Well, I, I think it's appropriate there. We, we are a pair and I'm going more on the Thrawn side of things. You're going more on the card side of things. And I think it would be interesting to see which one uh, he ends up landing on. Yeah. Knowing our luck and, and our ability to predict things, he'll probably be some other character we're not even talking about. So 
Well, it all depends on how the cards fall. Hey! <laughs> oh, Thank you. Goodness. I'll be here all week. Be sure to try the veal. And do tip your waiters. Yes. Uh, Having said that, so moving on from Robert Downey Jr., uh, Karen Gillan, uh, who played Nebula in the uh, Avengers series, uh, Marvel mm-hmm. movies, uh, she is rumored to be the live-action version of Mara Jade, also from the Thrawn trilogy. There is a bit of a theme in this Weekend Geek. Yes. Um, I'm excited for two reasons. One, the fact they're discussing bringing the, you know, kind of a bringing Mara Jade from the book in, into the live action realm um, is really interesting to me because I think she's a fascinating creation of, of Timothy Zahn in those novels. You know, she ends up, when you read the book, she ends up being a, a antagonist to Luke Skywalker, but then ends up becoming um, through, you know, further books in, into the extended universe, his wife and, and, you know, student, you know, before being, becoming a wife. I think it'd be kind of cool to bring her in. I think she's a fascinating character with a with a, and and I hope they keep her backstory because I think what makes her interesting is her backstory as, you know, a former hand of the emperor. Mm. Um, so that was the one thing I was excited about. And then the fact it's Karen Gillan who you know did a really you know just did a great job playing Nebula, uh, in the Marvel movies, um, and and just playing that that kind of nuanced character. I mean. In wrestling terms, it would be a heel to face turn uh, that, that Nebula underwent, mm-hmm. but uh, but to have her play Mara Jade, I think would would be spot on, and and I think I think she would do a great job with it. Got my spaceship, got my boys. My work here is done. I would agree, um, if o- if only because Karen Gillan plays like angry really well. Uh, if, for anyone who's watched her in like Doctor Who, mm-hmm. uh, she can play like kind of. Uh, we are not her boys. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. Uh, angry as in, like, snippy or just angry, angry. Or, you know, if you've seen her as Nebula, then you see, like, the kind of simmering resentment angry. Uh, she does all that really well. And she's she's just, in general, just a, a, a really good actor. The one th- concern I would have with this is it would seem to me that being the Emperor's Hand, it, it would seem like the character would need to be a little older. Mm-hmm. You know, it would almost seem like it would seem to me that the character would have to actually be a few years, if not more than a couple, like maybe 10 years older than than Luke to be the emperor's hand before all of the events of, you know, uh, of of the Battle of Endor and everything else. And to have been at that level, because I don't know, it seems like she would have had to have had a little bit more time in that universe. Either that or they had there has to be a really good origin story of how like she was, uh, you know, as a child. Mm-hmm. you know kind of mentored by the emperor which i can't remember if that was the case if that is then hey game on yeah, um, yeah. i would i would go for it i think it'd be i think it'd be good although it is a little bit weird that we're essentially now that i think about it, we're we're really getting into this territory of like the entire mcu coming to star wars <laughs> because uh yeah. the live action luke skywalker replacement that so many people have brought up and we talked about it with jimmy dice i mean sebastian stan mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. good sweet lord yeah a, a haircut and a little bit of makeup and it, yeah. it's kind it's kind of spooky quite honestly it is uh, it is really. and and, uh, and then if you had Robert Downey jr and then and the other reason why I like the idea of, of Robert Downey jr's Talon card and then uh, Thrawn as 
Benedict Cumberbatch is maybe we get another scene with the with like Doctor Strange and Tony Stark snipping at each other, which would be just kind of funny. Um, which so well to to your point, they had very good chemistry in those. In, yeah. in those back and forth. I mean, the, the, that was not forced. That did not feel, una- you know, it didn't, it felt natural what they were doing. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and they felt like the right people to be bickering back and forth. And so I, I agree with you. I, th- I think that'd be kind of interesting. Yeah. I don't really have a great other option. Yeah. You know? Because, yeah. I mean, my, my go-to is already taken. If You know, I was like, hey, you know, Katie Sackhoff could play Mara Jade. Uh, you know, well, yeah, she's already got a part. Uh, so that that's that's out of the way. So I don't really got no one else off the top of my head. So I'm you know if that's what it's going to be, then sure I'm, I'll I'll go with that. Mm-hmm. Just give me a good Admiral Thrawn, and uh, maybe if they can do something to kind of I don't know uh, make Luke somewhat less dumb than he was in the Timothy Zahn books, then hey, I'm all in. What you don't want hot chocolate loving Luke? Oh my gosh, yeah, no. I found this thing called hot chocolate. <laughs> Shut up, Wesley. <laughs> That was so weird. Apologies to Timothy Zahn, but that was probably the worst thing to work into those stories was hot chocolate. <laughs> I I don't know. I yeah, I don't oh, know. Gosh. They all hate you. Well, moving on from Mara Jade and Karen Gillan, uh, but keeping with the overall theme of the Grand Admiral, last item in Week in Geek are rumors that Disney is going to develop an origin movie. So this is something that might be in uh, Uncle Todd's wheelhouse because he's been asking mm-hmm. for this. A movie uh, that is focused on the origins of Grand Admiral Thrawn. And what's interesting about this is if you go back you know, two points to when we talked about Robert Downey Jr., if you start to play a little th- you know, kind of uh, entertainment chess, if you will, if you're mm. going to have a standalone kind of origin story for Grand Admiral Thrawn, what what person would you? I, I mean, I guess Benedict Cumberbatch could carry it. I mean, he, he is he is a leading, you know, a lead actor, lead. You know, he's he he's played the lead in many movies, mm. um, but Robert Downey Jr. also could hold his own. So, um, yeah, but if it's an origin, you're talking about uh, you're talking about a younger version of Thrawn, I would think, right? Yeah, and that would probably if I were to guess would draw from some of the more recent books, which are, um, which is kind of funny. It's kind of like the, the emperor thing, you know, where he's like older in the eighties, but you know, he becomes younger in the prequels. Um, you know, for, for Thrawn, he became really popular through those books in the nineties, but now most recently Timothy Zahn has written a, a sequence of books, a couple trilogies that explore, you know, kind of the early parts of grand Admiral Thrawn's life. And so if they draw from that, they would be drawing probably from, from those books if, if they draw the material from there. If I had to pick someone right off the top of my head, uh, my first gut instinct is, uh, is uh, Rami Malek, dude oh, who played yeah. Freddie Mercury in Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, think that, I think that could be kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Aside from that, I got nothing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be determined in some ways by whoever – Whoever you're getting, because I'm I'm assuming that he's going to show up in the Ahsoka show. I'm assuming. I'm assuming that's going to become some sort of springboard into into movies or whatever. So it's going to be kind of determined by that because you're only going to do so much origin story. Yeah. So it's really going to be okay. Here's who we have Thrawn now, you know, and who's pre this Thrawn. Right. Right. Um, And if and if we're going with Benedict Cumberbatch, yeah, I could I could see a, a worse. 
kind of younger stand-in than 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 a uh, Rami Malek. Yeah, agreed. So that, my friend, uh, this this week in geek is a bit Grand Admiral Thrawn focused, but um, just a bit. <laughs> a lot of, I mean, I guess except the Mara Jade part, but she she comes from the Thrawn trilogy, so. Uh, j- just some exciting news in terms of uh, seeing how you know Disney or, or more appropriately F- Favreau and Filoni are going to be pulling from um, those Timothy Zahn novels to, to bring some of these characters to life. And it'll be interesting to see uh, who ends up playing. I mean, I think Benedict Cumberbatch is a great, you know, appropriate person to play Thrawn as much as Robert Downey Jr. is um, or, or, or would be. So it'll be interesting to see how that all kind of shakes out. But... That, my friends, is The Week in Geek. Well, once again, thank you, sir, for pulling all of that together, Mm -hmm. reaching out to the dark recesses of the Internet and and bringing us things to talk about. The unknown regions, if you will. Yes, the the outer rim of the Internet, which is... Got to be careful. It gets a little dicey out there. Oh, yeah. You don't want to try making the Kessel Run on your computer. You wind up with some weird search results. Chewy, punch it. (laughs) Careful. No, anyways. Uh, So the main subject for today is uh, 1996, the year in movies. Mm. Now, aside from the fact that I didn't even do the math on this, now it's 25 years since the year 1996. Come on, now. We we planned it this way, didn't we? (laughs) Oh, no. No, we didn't. And then the fact is, even if we claimed we did, no one would believe us. No, not a one. And rightfully so. Bunch of chuckleheads uh, over here. Pretty much. We've, we've proven ourselves to be you know, somewhat trustworthy and somewhat untrustworthy <laughs> all at the same time. And uh, we are chaotic neutrals, I, I guess, in terms of a, 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 a... Is that even a thing? I'm, I was never very good at these whole like role, you know, role-playing Dungeons yes. & Dragons games. Yes, that, that, okay. that, that is a, an appropriate uh, illustration, my friend. All right, so just to put this in context, uh, mm-hmm. we did this before with 1977, where we were just kind of going through the year and realizing just how much of a weird breadth of music, uh, music movies can happen in a year. And mostly pointed out by the fact that Smokey and the Bandit and Star Wars were released in the same year, and both did extraordinarily well at the box office. So essentially you have space opera and CB radios vying for the top box office mm-hmm. of the year. And 96 is, a, is, is not quite as varied in terms of, like, oh my gosh, like, just culture shock. But there's, it's an interesting in and of itself just to look at one year. But I want to set a little context because I, f- I feel like we missed out on this because, honestly, neither one of us were really well, too much aware of what was happening in 1977 mm-hmm. uh, because we were both very young at that point. And so, uh, I was two years old. Yeah, I was, I was a big whopping one at that point. <laughs> so, but 96, I mean, since this is, uh, well, actually, no, this is the beginning of college for me. So this is the part where it starts getting a little gray. Well, and, uh, if I could just point hazies. out for a moment, when we did the 77 show, let, let, let's let's make sure we acknowledge who went deeper in into the in, into the bin of movies than, hey, than others. Hey, 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 let's, let's <laughs> you know, the past is the past. Uh, amen. Uh, move along. So I just kind of wanted to set a little context here. Uh, so some things that, like, if you just want to get an idea of what was happening at that point in time, in 1996, Dallas Cowboys became the first uh, first team to win three Super Bowls in four years. Boo. Tiger Woods made his PGA debut. Say what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
Tupac Shakur was shot and then dies uh, after after being attacked after a Mike Tyson fight in Nevada. Again, two things there that will make you feel old. Although Mike Tyson still fighting. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, The Nintendo 64 was released. Damn you, old man! Let that just simmer for a second. Huh? (laughs) Yeah. The Chicago Bulls win 72 games, setting a record that would stand for 20 years for most wins in an NBA season and win their fourth championship, which then started their second three-peat with Michael Jordan. Uh, Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, was arrested, and Bill Clinton was reelected to a second term after defeating Bob Dole. Interesting. And now that we have all aged for all of us who are like, that just seemed like last, no, it wasn't last year. Oh, crap. Sweet. Uh, <laughs> Good yeah. Lord. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uncle Todd, uh, to quote a popular movie, Riggs, I'm getting too old for this. <laughs> Riggs. <laughs> that's that's my Danny Glover impersonation right there. Oh, Just my gosh. Riggs. Good oh, I Lord. I love that. Uh, so yeah, so and here's another note. Just to, before we dive into this, because it will become gloriously obvious as we get into this, mm-hmm. uh, our list is not really based for the critics or for the critics or if if you're looking for like the top five lithuanian spoken movies uh, independent movies from that year th- this ain't gonna be this uh this was very much a year of kind of blockbusters mm. and big movies and big stars and all this uh, and and the funny thing is so i i was i no- started noticing some uh some trends as i was going through uh this year and the big year for several people and and uh, and an organization. It was a big year for Woody Harrelson, mm. who uh, who had uh, the People versus Larry Flint, a drama, mm. and then Kingpin, which was a comedy, uh, which we'll, we'll talk about both of those later. Uh, John Travolta was still riding high after his uh, his career had been resuscitated by Pulp Fiction several years before. Uh, he had Broken Arrow, Phenomenon, and Michael all came out, so he had a movie about lost nukes. Alien space powers and being an angel. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Because, hey, 96, baby. That kind of uh, runs the gambit right there, my friend. It really does. <laughs> and then uh, Tom Cruise had a big year with Mission Impossible and Jerry Maguire. Mm-hmm. And MTV had a big year because I didn't realize. Uh, so this is the year that they released Joe's Apartment, which if you remember, I think it was, it was either a series of shorts I think that's what it was, and it was all about this guy Joe and his apartment and these cockroaches that lived with him that talked to him. And that was a movie. There you have it. And also, Beavis and Butthead Do America was released. Now, kids, come a little closer. Uncle Todd's got a a confession for you. And uh, I I went to the theater to see Beavis and Butthead Do America. <laughs> and in my defense, I had free tickets and there was nothing else playing that I wanted oh. to see at the moment. And I'm pretty sure it was one of those deals like I had to use them by the end of the month or something. So you have to I take a like, shower after this. <laughs> it was not it was not great. It was not great. It wasn't horrible. It's not the worst movie I've ever seen. Oh my uh, gosh. So Beavis and Butthead to America was released. I, and the fact is I almost I almost ended up getting a divorce like in the first year of my marriage because I, I told my wife that and she looked at me, she's like, You did what? Like I just told her like I had just robbed a bank. <laughs> I was like, No, I just went to see this movie. She's like, I can't believe I married you. And it's just <laughs> like <laughs> Shook her to her core. It was. It was. It was. I, thought I knew you. 
it was amazing and and frightening all at the same time. Uh, and then Biodome was released oh, this year as Lord. well. And that ties in because, of course, we get Polly Shore. I hear you opening up more bourbon just for that. <laughs> you said Biodome. <laughs> you just have to. Is, is this a new drinking game? Like, Biodome, drink. Yeah, basically. <laughs> but uh, So that was, of course, Polly Shore who came to us uh, via MTV and got his break there. So big, big year for MTV. So this kind of sets the stage for where we're heading with this. We're going we're gonna to do our top five movies from 1995. Then we'll do some kind of honorable mentions. And then we'll have our surprise section, mm-hmm. which if you listen to our previous episode where we talked about 1977, that's where it got <laughs> real interesting real quick. Todd found some interesting picks. And uh, I'm excited to you know, find out what he found for 96 because he seems to gravitate to the good stuff. Well, that was also because I was just flying blind. I was going by titles. I didn't even read the descriptions, which was a huge error. <laughs> huge error. Any movies with the name Wanda in the title? Just wondering. Yeah, no. Not okay. this time. All right. Not All right. this time. All right. All right. So let's start off with your top five. Do you want to kind of go back and forth? You just want to run through our top fives? Uh, I, I'll just run through it. And okay. And are these in any specific order? They, they are. They, they are from uh, one to f- Well, I, I guess I'll go five to one. Yeah, build uh, it up. Build it up. All right. So so starting at number five, uh, The Birdcage, which oh. features Robin Williams and Nathan Lane. Great This flick. movie is hysterical. Just just an absolutely hysterical movie. I um, I have rewatched this many times. Um, just, a, just a funny, funny movie about basically uh, Robin Williams and Nathan Lane are – a gay couple living in my, in Miami, and their son is about to marry the daughter of a very conservative <laughs> politician. And it's Gene and, Hackman, ladies and gentlemen. Oh right? my gosh! It, yeah, Gene Hackman. It is just Hank Azaria is hysterical in it. Nathan Lane is hysterical in it. Robin Williams is Robin Williams in this. I don't know. I I just can't say enough good stuff about this movie. It is so funny, and every time I watch it, I'm just I'm just dying laughing because it, it is just such a great. Great story, great comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Birdcage is my number five. Nutty Professor. Oh, number boy. four. This, <laughs> this one got some play in the in the apartment back in the day. Oh my gosh, you and I. How the many times scenes. would we quote the dinner this scenes? We would quote this movie. <laughs> Cletus, you're limping here, but you're walking. Or you're walking yeah. here, but you're limping back, or whatever. I'll throw this between the cracky ass. <laughs> That whole family dinner scene, just to this day, oh, the tears, number times, tears the number times flowing out of my whole The number of times I did that whole, you walk over, but you limp <laughs> but you, back. You limp back, that's right. Usually, usually, like, as we were playing Madden or playing, oh. like, MLB <laughs> on the PlayStation. Yes. Oh. Hercules, 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 Hercules. And then the oh. grandmas, I, I, oh. I, I used to relate to myself. <laughs> oh. Have relations all night long. <laughs> That's your holy old mother over there. <laughs> oh, so good. The rest of the movie is kind of is, is a little meh, but yes. Oh man, those but those but does scenes. feature does feature in one small part uh, a very very funny Dave Chappelle. Yes, uh, very, very young Dave Chappelle. Yes, and uh, you know I, I I see him now and think about that back then and just like man you know talk about someone who who starts you know kind of with a bit part and now and then just became you know just this huge huge comedian and 
man alive i you know sorry this is a bit of an aside but go and watch his his monologue from snl recently oh um, yeah man is a, just a genius J- just an absolute genius in weaving some really you know sincere content into just some really funny stuff so yeah i just, um, the only thing the main thing i took away from that and uh, well the first thing i took away from it because i mean yeah i i totally agree i was like dude please stop smoking we need you around for a long time please oh my please gosh. quit quit the cigarettes we we need you man we don't i don't need to hear about dave Chappelle getting like a double lung transplant in five years or anything just please right, please right. please 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 get a like Get working out something. Just we need you. We need you. We lose comedians way too young. And actually, another monologue to go watch, and 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 maybe I'll try to send you some links, Uncle Todd, so we can have this in the show notes. Uh, when Eddie Murphy hosted in twenty at the end of twenty nineteen SNL, yes, and, and, he, did, and he, did, he went back to like Mister Robinson's neighborhood. Yes, but and, in, oh, his, in his monologue, it was him, Chappelle, Tracy Morgan, uh, Chris Rock. Um, and, and when Chappelle came on, they're standing there and he, and at one point he makes this crack. He's like, right here, this is half of Netflix's budget. <laughs> <laughs> and he wasn't wrong. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. And you know what? Dave, oh, Dave deserves gosh. every penny because he hasn't made anything off of like Absolutely. Chappelle's show. Really? Absolutely. Now, now, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, this was Halle Berry. Uh, Halle Berry was in, or was it Jada Pinkett Smith? I think Nutty it was Presser. Jada Pinkett Smith. Yeah. Yes, you're yeah. right. Okay, yeah. I don't, I couldn't remember because I know that both of them at that point had their hair really short, and the character has long hair, right? Long-ish hair. So I was like, ah, uh, I know, I know they're both wearing a wig. If they were, yeah, <laughs> they were but in it. but but Eddie Murphy is a revelation in this movie. Oh I mean, he, man, he, he plays the main character. He does that entire sequence with uh, the the dinner with the family where he's playing. Yep. The main character's father, mother, grandmother, brother. I mean, it is so, so funny. Mm-hmm. And then he plays like the other, like his alternate self. Well, right, right. And then Eddie yeah. Murphy plays the, the, the version of him when, when he has the, the serum and he you know, mm-hmm. becomes the, the ladies' man. So, <laughs> yeah, good pick. Uh, so, good so, pick. So, so Nutty Professor just, you know, four, five and four are, are some strong, strong comedies. Number three, Jerry Maguire. Um, this one I, I put in because, you know, stylistically and, and just Cuba Gooding Jr. is, you know, just incredible in this movie. Um, th- this is the uh, show me the money. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where, you know, it's this great story about two men and, you know, one of them has, you know, struggles with finding passion in his life, uh, you know, with, with his wife and family the other has a struggle finding passion in what he does, and 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 I, I really enjoy that story. That that's one I I'll stop and watch if it's on because it's just such a fun movie, and it was done in just such a great way. I mean, it's just it's it's a really good story, moves along well, good pace, um, and I just really enjoy, you know, just just keep it good. And Junior just cracks me up during it, um, and 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 his and his uh, I, I don't know the actor who plays his brother, but his brother is hysterical in it too. So uh, yeah, no, so 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 great movie uh, all around. Number two is another Tom Cruise movie, Mission Impossible. Th- this one was just great um, mm. for its time. It, it was a really like I remember going to the theater watching this and just being like like th- this was just like technology kind of done right for that time. When, when you look Definitely. back on it, you realize how ridiculous it all was. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but Mission Impossible was just well done, and and it really took you know what was a '60s show and brought it into the '90s in a very you know modern and stylistic way. And I I, I really enjoyed it. It's it, it's it's a you know a fun one for me. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, and then finally, my number one, and uh, you know, this one's number one because when I went to the theater to see it, I, I didn't, I don't know, I don't remember if I saw it opening weekend, but it was pretty close to when it opened. I remember coming home from this one and just like sometimes you go see a movie and it is so like it just kind of rocks you to your core a little bit, you know, with 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 what it's about and stuff. Now watching it now, I don't really you know have the same feeling, obviously, but. But seeing a movie where you see kind of the whole country annihilated, <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of sticks with you a little bit, especially when you have nothing before then to really compare it to. I mean, I think Independence Day gets kind of you know written off as kind of a, an action movie and, and a cheap flick, but it's 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 really for its time was was really different, and and you know seeing you know the. The White House get blown up, and, and New York City get blown up, and Los Angeles get blown up, and I mean, we, we had really never seen anything like that in in a movie before, you know, and and mm-hmm. th- that that kind of story of the the scrappiness of humanity kind of coming back against the 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 obviously higher technology alien race, it was just fun, you know. I mean, it was just it, it was it was a fun fun flick. Will Smith is great in this. Jeff Goldblum is hysterical. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just a, it, it's a well done movie and, and I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was just one of those times when an action movie was done really, really well. And, and it was just a, a, a joy to, to, to watch and, and to, to take in. And it was a very unique story. You know, I mean, it was, it was, I mean, I shouldn't say it was unique. It, it was just a different take on, on kind of a common story of, you know, an alien race coming to, to take over earth and, the way it kind of plays out is just is is just done very well and just a lot of fun. Agreed, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that because that one might be showing up in one of my lists. Mm-hmm. So. so that is my top five for '96. Very and a and a solid top five at that. Uh, I mean, I I can't find fault in those whatsoever. It's like one of those deals when you're like, hey, what's your top starting five NBA all time? And someone's like, oh, it's this, 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 and this. And like, even if it's not your top five, you're like, damn, that'd still be a really good team. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you pick five point guards. Like, They might actually be able to take out anybody. You don't know. Yeah. Uh, okay, Allen Iverson at center. Whatever. Sure. Why not? So my top five. And I'll, I'll go from five to one as well, as is tradition. A little unconventional uh, stop here at number five, uh, Tin Cup. And this one for me is primarily for the fact that I think I have watched this movie at least a couple dozen times. It is so incredibly quotable. Great for and- uh, you know, I mean, the combination of of Kevin Costner and Cheech, uh, Cheech Marin together, is just <laughs> so good, so good. And that's before you even get into like then throwing Rene Russo in there. Who mm-hmm. uh, Rene Russo, I think, it doesn't get a lot of credit for for the roles that she has for always being. I don't know how to describe her the the characters that she plays, but she always has kind of this. <sighs> Man, I don't know how to describe it. There's a, there's a there's kind of a a little bit of a of a smirk 
mm-hmm. to her characters, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, and then, of course, Don Johnson as the bad guy and then the assortment of other characters, like all of his, you know, his his friends that hang out with him and drink beer and eat hot dogs at the, the driving range. I just I love this flick and it's just fun to watch. And I, I again, I will if there's nothing else going on, I will definitely pop in my DVD of Tin Cup and watch that through and just have have a good you know like hour and a half two hours whatever this movie is and uh, and and enjoy every moment of it and then use several uh quotes uh, especially the whole like you know your brain was getting in the way it's hardly ever been the case before <laughs> <laughs> that that one might be my life verse to be honest with you um and so that was that's my number five best scene in in i i mean one of the best scenes I, I've seen in kind of one of those sort of sportsy movies is just that 18th hole. Oh, man. I, I didn't even get into that. The yes. Eight, I, I mean, I don't want to go too deep because I know we're going to run through your top five. But but that 18th hole and, and the way it just brought everything together about that character, about how mm-hmm. he doesn't care about winning the championship. He just wanted to make that shot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that was such a, a cool you know, just, just way to kind of exclamation mark that, that kind of theme throughout that movie and, and what his character was about was, uh, I, that, that's something I enjoyed from it. So solid pick at number five, my friend. Yeah. And that kind of that almost specialized insanity that because in, in real life, that's not necessarily the, the person that you want to be, (laughs) you know, like that works really well in a story to see someone kind of like persevere and have the, you know, the, how their, their character flaws lead to this moment of glory and how like that's kind of makes it worth it. And okay, I can understand some of that, but oh my gosh, like if that's the way you're living your life might not work out so well for you because your life isn't a movie. Um, and, and just, but so many great moments in that where you see like people kind of come along with that character for that journey, even like the caddy who had walked away from him a couple times throughout this movie mm-hmm. and Cheech goes over and is like, this is your last ball, Roy. You know, you get this one, you don't, you know, you can't get it. And he's like, I can make it. And he's like, and then to paraphrase, stop screwing around and do it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I just love that because Cheech is so good in that moment. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's no like smile or anything. Like it's dead serious. Like, oh, yeah. And oh yeah, and then then just as, as after he sinks the, you know, sinks the shot from like two hundred yards out, and then he gets the ball out of the hole and then throws it into the pond where all of the others that he's hit up to that point have mm-hmm. gone. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, oh, it's just so it's such a great finish, such a great finish. Absolutely. Thank you for for pointing that out. I was remiss in not uh, addressing that. Uh, so uh, number four, Twister, and I mean, come on, you you've got uh, you got uh, Helen Hunt. Bill Paxton. Game over, man. It's game over. And a freaking tornado. What else do you need? Except, I mean, then you also have uh, Carrie Elwes. Um, you've got a, a, a very young Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. This is a great, great flick. Lots of fun. Lots of action. Um, you know, just enough heart to make things interesting. And, uh, you know, I just I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Um, and this also is uh, where we get a, a great Van Halen song, perhaps the last great Sammy Hagar Van Halen I'm song. I'm glad you Human said Being. that. I was going to mention that. Uh, so a pretty good, pretty good soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was oh, just a solid, solid flick, I think. Absolutely. Uh, and then number three for me, uh, Scream, which I, I've oh. I'm, I've been on record before as saying I am not a horror 
guy. Mm-hmm. I do not like horror, but I like this movie because it actually kind of took the the horror genre and poked fun at it and also reinvented it in a way. I was going to ask you that. Do, do you feel like it's kind of like a deconstruction and a spin on it? Yes. Because and, it, it, it is funny, like, especially, um, I, f- I forget his name, it's something Kennedy, but... Oh, yeah, yeah, Jamie, Jamie Kennedy, J- Jamie isn't it? Kennedy. His character is fantastic because he's all about kind of walking everyone through the, the normal horror tropes. Yeah. And and what to expect and what not to expect. And, and just, it, it was, that movie, solid number three was ahead of its time and there was a reason why it did so well that year because it, it was just so different from what anything we had ever seen before you know from, yeah. from, from a horror movie you know i mean it was almost like horror satire but still being a horror movie yeah well i mean the fact that and that of course the big thing was you know drew barrymore you know prominently billed mm-hmm. in the flick dies within like 10 minutes yes Yes. And it's, it was really one of those, it was one of the first movies that I've ever been to or ever seen that I was like, well, now what the hell's going to happen? I mean, you literally have no idea. Like, okay, if you're going to kill off like one of the people who's like one of the, 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 the top build stars, like arguably one of the biggest star in the flick, now what? I mean, that now every option is on the table. You know, and that's what made this made the the film so so interesting and and good. And I mean, I also had a huge crush on Nev Nev Campbell at that time, so that's that didn't hurt at all either. <laughs> but I thought she was really good in this movie. Courtney Cox is kind of like the slimy tabloid journalist. Even David Arquette is tolerable in this, and and that's saying something. Because David normally- Arquette's funny. I mean, he 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 is kind oh. of the comic relief in it as just the boneheaded sheriff. You know? Yeah. Well, he's a deputy. Oh, I'm sorry, deputy. Yeah, but I mean, oh my gosh, normally I can't stand David Arquette. I don't know what it is about him. I, yeah. There's something that just, uh, like, uh, oh, but, but in this movie, all right, fine, <laughs> I'll go with it. But yeah, it was uh, such a in, uh, such a way that it changed that that genre, you know? It almost mm-hmm. gave you this other genre of like, almost like horror light, because it wasn't like your normal slasher flick, you know? It, it kind right. of aspired right. to be a little bit more, you know? Yep. Uh, so that was that was another one for me that was like ah yeah I remember that now number two uh, let's get to Independence Day mm. so uh, I agree with everything that you said and I also want to point out that we have a BSG connection Mary McDonnell of course uh, playing the first lady in this movie mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Marilyn Whitmore to uh, Bill Pullman's President Thomas J Whitmore and uh, of course you know she uh, she doesn't fare quite as well in this movie as she does in Battlestar Galactica. Doesn't make it quite as long, uh, and uh, I think this was was great because it kind of was it was part Star Wars and part nineteen seventies disaster movie, except instead of it being like the Towering Inferno yeah. or you know the Poseidon Adventure, the planet was the was the boat that had capsized like that. It was the entire planet that was the disaster, you know, and it, it also pioneered uh, the the interesting methodology of like hey if you're an alien race and you just come in and blow up the most recognizable building in a city you have now destroyed the entire city all right sure whatever if you blow up the empire state building you've now leveled new york you have now destroyed all of you know it, it was just so weird how that was like it was always like a major building they were sitting over and then <laughs> that was it whatever i mean yeah. i get the reason why but it was kind of funny in retrospect but i do remember like i so i was too young to really go see 
any of the Star Wars flicks in the theater. I don't think I saw Return of the Jedi in the theater. I might have been still just a little too young at that point. Mm-hmm. So for me, this was one of those movies that to me I kind of equate with seeing Star Wars yeah. because it yeah. was just so big. It was so big. Like everything about it was huge. It you was. Know? I mean, I, I, I just, remember being in the theater and it just being packed. Yeah. The closest thing I can think of is like the Marvel movies or the most recent, you know, post queel Star Wars movies, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Theaters are packed for that. Make to- you know, makes total sense. But for Independence Day, being an original kind of sci-fi story the 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 trailer was very dark you know i mean it, mm. it, it was it was the scene of 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 the spaceship blowing up the empire state building and so everyone's like what the heck is this you yeah. know and it, it was it was ahead of its time in terms of marketing and i think it was ahead of its time in terms of the you, you, like the movie it was and the story that it was yes and and a pretty i mean a pretty decent cast like not like one of those like you know, like murderer's row of like, you know, oh my gosh, this person, this person, this person. Judd like Hirsch. Solid, like a solid supporting cast that you're just like, wow, this is, all right, this is kind of deep. Like they're not, they don't have 18, you know, superstars out there, but man, they got a lot of good role players. So you got like, right. uh, and not and not that Vivica A. Fox is a role player. She was actually a really, really good part of this movie, mm-hmm. uh, but she was solid in it. But then you have Brent Spiner playing a bit part as like the, the, cre- the crazy Dr. He was hysterical. Dr. Oh, he was great. He was Harvey Firestein. Yes, yes. I'm gonna call my mother. I'm gonna call my lawyer. Yeah, ah, screw my lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> like I think he has a total of like ten lines, but they're all hilarious. But 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 just to go back to Brent Spiner, though, I mean, he uh, yes, was in please. the heyday of Data at that point, and yeah, you know, from Star Trek: The Next Generation, and for him to play this kind of off his nut kind of scientist was just—I mean, he was hysterical. Yes. And and he he was the right amount of comedic levity like even though his scenes do involve kind of our first kind of like seeing what these aliens look like. I just remember thinking it's like what what a great actor to use you know to kind of bridge that gap from something that was really horrific that 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 the you know the audience had just witnessed you know with all of you know the country being wiped out mm-hmm. to to kind of introducing us to to what the alien looks like. And yeah. and he was, you know, you know, through through the right mix of comedy and then you know some some seriousness, was just you know just just the right guy to put into that role. Yes, agreed. Um, and then we, of course we have uh, we have a pre insanity Randy Quaid. Um, <laughs> oh man, what happened to Randy? What happened oh, to Randy? Oh man. And uh, then Robert Loggia, uh, the guy who played the general, who is uh, the president's best buddy. Uh, who was very gruff. Another guy, like, oh, he was great. Uh, Judd Hirsch, as you pointed out, who, oh, my gosh, is so good. <laughs> so good. He was fantastic. David, what are you doing? David, David, what are you? <laughs> it's just great. And then the, that I, my, one of my favorite moments is when, at the end, when they're all, you know, he, his, his uh, David gives him, like, the, the Torah and the yarmulke, and then he's getting all the kids together, and they're praying because the, the aliens are right above Area, Area 51, which in and of itself, like, there's, there's, like, three sentences right there that you're like, that makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Independence Day. Uh, and he gets everyone praying, and then that one annoying kind of advisor comes over, and he's like, sit down, sit down, sit down. Well, I'm not Jewish. He's like, no one's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I just always love that moment, you that, know, is 
it's oh. it, it's it's great. I mean, I, I mean, a lot of these movies are movies that when they're on, you have to just sit down and watch them. Well, yeah, because you know, like, okay, this moment, this moment, and this moment right. are coming up, and right. I want to catch them. You know, right. and those are great. And 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 let's just also say this right now: if uh, if you enjoy Independence Day and you have not seen Independence Day two, don't, don't forget Independence Day two ever happened. Mm-hmm. Wipe it from your mind. As a matter of fact, it never did happen. There was never any sequel. There was never any talk of it. It never happened. Ever. Ever. Uncle Todd will not acknowledge. Let me get the little, let me let me reference another Will Smith movie. Let me get the little flashy thing and we'll all forget that Independence Day 2 ever happened. And the fact that I actually rented it and I suffered. You have to admit, though, there there's some comedy to the fact that Cousin Eddie took out the aliens, baby. Pilot, you armed? Armed and ready, sir. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm packing. But then we also have to acknowledge where Cousin Eddie is these days. Well, and then there's that. Actually, no one's really sure where Cousin Eddie is these days, because Cousin Eddie's dodging extradition. Canada? <laughs> I don't even know if he's in Canada anymore. Like He, yeah, he might be on an island somewhere uh. off the coast of something. I don't know. All right, and then, of course... At oh. number one, welcome to The Rock. Welcome to The Rock. Sean Connery, Nick Cage doing Nick Cage things. Sean Connery doing Sean Connery things. Ed Harris just chewing scenery around everyone. Oh, my oh. gosh. Oh, it's a glorious flick. And I, you know I was going to use that same word, glorious, baby, glorious. And, and it, you know, in, in many ways, it is a complete train wreck, but it is a wonderful train wreck to watch. It really mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. It is like everything like 1990s action movies are just distilled into one movie. I mean, number one, the cast. I mean, of course, you have Sean Connery, Nicolas Cage, Ed Harris. Then you get John Spencer as your FBI director. You get, uh, 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 who else we get? Uh, you get Michael Bean. Well. Ladies and gentlemen, the Mandalorian's Michael Bean is in this. Uh, you get I'm John C. McGinley. Oh, yeah. He was in this until all of a sudden he popped Space up Space Johnny bathroom. Ringo. Space Johnny Ringo. Oh, man. Such a great flick. Oh, oh it's just and, and so quotable. So quotable. Mm-hmm. Like, well, you want me to kill him again? You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I gut you. I take pleasure in gutting you, boy. And then listening to Nick Cage say it five different ways mm-hmm. as he's laying. <laughs> I take pleasure in gutting you. Boy, was <laughs> what is he doing? Like even for Nick Cage, that's insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. But oh, so it's so good. I mean, and then just uh, such a ridiculous premise. Like yes, uh, former Marines have taken over Alcatraz with chemical weapons and are holding San Francisco hostage. Mm-hmm. Yep, sounds like a 1990s action flick to me. Oh yeah. Oh, it was great. It was absolutely great. Nothing about this movie that I don't like. Even like the the, the like Humvee chase through San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, oh, it's so ridiculous and over the top. It's lovely. It's full wonderful. stop at Sean Connery, baby. Full stop. Oh, and really, I think pretty much like Sean Connery's last great flick. Yeah. Like last yeah. great, like where you're like, yes. Yeah. Just where he was just, every scene that he was in, you're like, oh my God, that's Sean Connery. Mm-hmm. Do you see him? That's Sean Connery. That's him. That's him. Oh, it's great. Absolutely great. Solid top five, my friend. Solid top five. Well, thank five. you very much. Now, uh, now, what do you got for special mentions? So, you know, as we talked about before we recorded, you know, before we recorded, we were chatting about this. And this year of 96 compared to 77, um, 
lot of lot of good movies. A lot of good yeah. movies. And 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 it was really hard to whittle down just five, you know, for, yeah. for the top. Also keep in mind that we were actually going to the movies at this point. You and as, I as opposed yeah. to like seventy seven. You and I have a lot more context about these than we did with seventy seven, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly. Clearly. A lot easier to come up with some deep polls here because you know we, we would have stumbled across them either then or even since then. Like a couple of these movies, mm-hmm. I pro I know I didn't see in the theater, but I probably caught like a year or two afterwards. You know, on VHS. Yes, yes. Back when back when that was a thing. <laughs> VH what? Um, Be kind, rewind. My my special mentions, uh, and in no particular order here. Uh, just just movies that I would have liked to have included in the top five, but you got to eliminate some, you know what I mean? So, yeah, um, yeah, Happy yeah. Gilmore with Adam Sandler. Oh, I almost put that in my top five. And, I and, really and, did. And one, one phrase that we keep, you know, we seem to keep repeating when we talk about some of these movies is quotable. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, just solid writing, solid lines, and Happy Gilmore is one of those. Um, just a little tap, tap, taparoo. Just a little tap, tap, taparoo. T- taparoo. Um, <laughs> you know, the the villain is hysterical. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Shooter McGavin. Oh, my gosh. And, and I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't know the actor's name, but the guy who plays him. Oh, man. If he could be a pro wrestler, he would be booed out of the arena. You know what I mean? Like, he is so good at being a bad guy and so yes. good at being an arrogant bad guy in this movie. Just just top-notch. Christopher McDonald, ladies and Christopher gentlemen. Christopher McDonald. And shall we mention Chubbs? Oh, please. Chubbs. It's like a damn monster movie. Oh, Carl, Carl Weathers, you know, once again, just, just you know, Grief Carga. Soul Grief brother, Karga, Grief Karga, Action Jackson, the dude from <laughs> Predator, Chubbs, Dylan, you son of a bitch, and Apollo Creed. <laughs> Just retire on those five. Oh my like, gosh, where's the Hall of Fame? We're putting them in now. Just like, hysterical what? as as Happy's uh, instructor and kind of yes. mentor. Just 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 a great movie, top to bottom. Just so funny, so quotable. Ben um, Stiller. Oh yeah, that, that uh, I forgot about him. And you get you get an appearance by Bob Barker. You get Richard Keel mm-hmm, showing mm-hmm. up. Oh man, Good yeah. Stuff. Lee Trevino keep on kept coming back, like in different little like. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> like no lines, just just show I, up and do. I don't do know nothing. the actor's name, but he he was the the gentleman who played Jaws in the uh, James that was Bond Richard, movies. Yeah, it was Richard Keel. Richard. Ke- oh, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. Sorry. But that whole scene with him chasing Shooter McGavin is hysterical. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Oh, oh and then, such a and great movie. Joe Flaherty as the jeering fan. Jackass. Yes. <laughs> so good. He 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 is. He he is fantastic. Just you know, just just top to bottom, just such a funny movie. I mean, mm-hmm. not nutty professor funny, but it, it has its own, you know, kind of unique funniness well, about it. I would you know? argue that Happy Gilmore is a much more consistently funny movie. To me, Nutty Professor had like moments where I would almost like pass out from laughing, but yes. then a lot of the rest was sort of like, oh, okay, I got a chuckle or this and that. Fair Happy enough. Gilmore had like laughs consistently. Fair enough. Yep. You know? Yep. Yeah. So after Happy Gilmore, I would go with Scream, which we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just, just a, a movie that kind of broke the horror mold and 
took it in a, a different direction. Um, really enjoyed it and liked its freshness as far as, you know, like you said, with, with Drew Barrymore's character being killed off early. There, there's a movie later on I'll, I'll mention in my surprises that also has that. You know, it was weird. 96 had that, you know, where yeah. there was a number of movies where it was seemingly breaking the mold in terms of having, you know, top tier kind of names in the movie that were getting killed off early on. Yes. And uh, and Scream was just such a, such a great movie, very inventive, very innovative. Mm. Um, and so I, I had to put that as a special mention. Uh, Ransom with Mel Gibson, Rene Russo, I thought was a great flick. Just just a great kind of uh, drama and, and and suspense kind of flick with uh, this millionaire you know going against the kidnappers of his son and just mm. taking this kind of very different approach to dealing with the fact that they, they that, you know that they took him and and kind of opening up this bounty. That would be, uh, you know, if you know, you, you have my son. Well, I'm going to put a couple million up to say those who find the guy who took my son, bring him to me and I will give you two million dollars was just such a nice. I thought it was kind of a cool twist on on that sort of concept. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, to, because to, it, at first he's willing to pay the ransom. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But and then and then they try and hose him or something. Exactly. Something weird happens. Yeah, yeah, and, and, then, and then Gary Sinise to... was just awesome mm. as as the villain. I, I forget his character's name, but 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 he was the primary villain in in, in the movie. And uh, I just remember, like, like, it's it's one of those movies that that I will watch, you know, if it's on because it's just just the way it was written, the way it was done was just so so well done. You know, not enough to be in the top five, but but definitely to be in a special mention sort of section. Um, mm. but, but I, I really enjoyed the gimmick of the victim or, or at least the parents of the victim kind of turning things on its head against the one who is, who is imposing this on them was, yeah. was just su- such a, a cool twist. And I just remember when I, when I watched the movie in the theater, just thinking to myself, like, th- this is just su- such a great kind of, you know, it's, it, it, it's a different take on kind of a common story of of you know kind of the rich guy against the hard on his luck kind of cop who's trying to kind of find his way into some sort of fortune through some sort of easy mechanism and Mm. um you know kind of you know just just putting a twist on it was just such such a cool effect i i I thought definitely yeah no i'd I'd agree on that one um my number four uh out of my five specials are the rock Mm. Uh, for what we already said. I mean, Sean Connery, do you need to say anything more? Nope. Uh, and then finally, number five, Star Trek First Contact. Um, yes. Keeping with the you know kind of trend that the even-numbered Star Trek movies seem to do very well and the odd-numbered ones seem to not do so well. Mm-hmm. Um, this one was really cool, uh, you know, kind of, you know, showing viewers the the – moment of first contact between the Vulcans and the humans um, with Earth being in, in kind of a post-apocalyptic scenario and, you know, kind of how, you know, because up to that point, we had always seen Earth being very, you know, ahead of its time and, and, and well-developed, you know, with Starfleet. It was very interesting to see that Earth at one point was, you know, kind of almost on its knees, 
Yeah, but at, at the same time, keep in mind, like we always, it was always like lush green forest. Like it was post-apocalyptic, but fair enough. Yeah, it, it wasn't like Terminator post-apocalyptic. Fair, yeah, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. But 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 just the idea that where they came from to eventually evolve into what they became mm. started from kind of meager means. Mm-hmm. You know, because because you know Cochrane's character is not one that is well off or well established or anything like that. He he's just this guy who has this concept and they kind of help him establish the ability to, to to commit to warp drive for the first time. And the fact that the story kind of hinges on the board trying to go back in time maybe a little hokey. Mm. Um but I like the idea of them trying to, you know, the, the, the Borg being so adamant about trying to just reduce humanity to nothing mm. that they have to go back in time to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they, 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 it wasn't enough that they tried and failed at trying to do it in present time, that they went back in time, Picard and, and company follow them, and then they have to kind of battle back. And, you know, Picard's kind of, you know, evolution, if you will, throughout that movie was 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 kind of a neat effect as well mm. um, from him going from being this kind of diplomat to being like, you know, screw this. I'm going to start fighting, you know, for for what is right um, mm-hmm. was was just kind of a, a, a nice you know side effect of the story. So. So, yeah. So so I thought this was a solid outing from Star Trek and and, and really enjoyed it. Definitely. And and actually let's uh, let's do this in snake fashion because that was actually one of my honorable mentions as well. And and also the cast here. So James Cromwell as Zephram Cochran was great. Uh, and then we also get some interesting kind of uh kind of like pop-ins. Like we get uh, Robert Picardo as the holographic doctor which was a uh, then a reference to uh, what it was at a uh, it wasn't was it Deep Space 9 that he was on as the yes. holographic doctor or was it yes. okay. Uh, so we got a we got kind of a nod there. I think he was only in for like twenty seconds, and uh, Dwight Schultz, ladies and gentlemen, is L- Lieutenant Barkley, uh, also known as Howling Mad Murdoch from Barkley. the A Team. I mean, come on! I mean, you get those guys in there, but yeah, th- this it was a it was a very worthy entry, and I think especially it was nice because Generations was a movie and. Um, <laughs> Generations was let's blow up the Star Starship Enterprise as we know it. Shut up, Wesley. Yeah, it, it was tough because you could tell that let's they were trying Picard and, and Kirk together just for a gimmick. Well, I mean, it could have made sense, but I think that I wonder how much ego was on the set and in the writing process of this, mm-hmm. and and at what what it played in that and it was just nice to then get a movie like first contact where you're like ah okay it's just the cast of the next generation okay here we go you know i i really enjoyed that aspect of it because it felt like okay this is kind of because i i mean even though i grew up watching the og like star trek movies i really didn't watch the series as much i probably watched more of the animated like cartoon series than Mm. i watched the og like live action series growing up Mm. and i'm sure over the years i've filled in and and kind of you know done all that but but next generation was really my star trek like it came on and i was i watched that from episode one all the way through all the seasons just every week it was like appointment viewing for me and so to see that crew 
in their movie, and it's just them. It's not a gimmick with Kirk and oh, we're we're trying to do this right. and a crossover. It's just like no, here they are, and it was and it was a good solid adventure, and in some ways, managed to walk the line between doing what a lot of people com- kind of complained with with the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies of turning it too much into like space action instead of science fiction. It managed to walk that line of 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 having its roots in exploration and in that. Uh, that element of the human spirit and the and the science aspect of of what science fiction is, but also had some good action to it. It, it moved. It didn't just sit there. Yeah. You know, which was yeah. I always felt like when people are like, "Oh no, I want science. I want my Star Trek to be sciencey." I'm like, "Yeah, well, guess what? Not a lot of you showed up to those movies because those are the ones that you know. Those are all the odd number movies. Yeah. You know, yeah. like Star Trek the motion picture." Right. Not exactly a, 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 you know, a bang a minute sort of movie. Right. Right. You know, but anyway, so not to get too off track, but I just I really enjoyed that movie, uh, you know, cast and, and the whole thing included just because it, you know felt like, it was like, it? here they are uh, without I've, I could because I'm on the IMDb page, but I don't know. Jonathan Frakes. Oh, number one. Now, who now is like uh, apparently big into directing episodes of Star Trek Discovery, which I wish I could mm-hmm. watch if the CBS app wasn't a pile of crap. <laughs> Damn you, CBS! I loved watching that show, and nope, I can't. I can't watch it because it that app buffers more than anything mm-hmm. I have ever. I mean, I could download a song off of LimeWire back in the day with less <laughs> aggravation. And anyone who is of a certain age and knows how that works, like you would download a song. Oh, boy. And it took like an hour and a half to download like one song. And then you found out it was not the right song. Or it was like it was the worst like rip that anyone could have ever possibly gotten. You would have been better off off listening to like through the wall with a glass up to it as your neighbor played the song on their radio. I I could down I that was less aggravating than trying to watch a show on the CBS All Access app. It oh was boy. wretched. I might give it a try again because I really I I was getting into that show. I really liked it, and the I actually liked it even more because so many Star Trek fans hated it. They're like, "This is my Star Trek." I'm like, "Well, then I want to watch it more." <laughs> Because <laughs> that's just the kind of guy I am. Where was I? I got completely off track. You were on your number uh, five. Let's go to number four of your special mentions, oh, my friend. Right. And actually, another thing is a, a big year 1996 was for Bill Murray because he had mm-hmm. he was in, played a big part in Kingpin. He was also in. Uh, he also had his own flick, uh, Larger Than Life, which did not really do well. It was a, him and an elephant. And then there was this movie, Space Jam, where uh, Bill Murray managed to sneak in and play a. Uh, kind of an oddball part but it was like all right sure why not let's have bill murray play uh basketball with michael jordan and bugs bunny because hey it's 96 and why not um but space jam was great because i mean come on who who wasn't like a little bit amused to see like okay aliens michael jordan and bugs bunny sure why not you know it it, it was just like at the time kind of revolutionary like live action combination with with animation and then like a bunch of people who are like is it weird that like i kind of think like an animated bunny rabbit is really cute (laughs) like babs but like that there was this confusion of like 
I feel really, con- I'm really weirded out by this. And of course, then you had all kinds of, you know, NBA stars. You had, you had Patrick Ewing, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Muggsy Bogues, Larry Johnson, Sean Bradley, Larry Bird, uh, Charles Barkley. Uh, you know, so there was all of that. And I mean, it was, it was just good fun flick, man. Yeah. This is a really good yeah. fun flick. And uh, I'm kind of, uh, apparently they're remaking this, which I, or there, it's either a remake or it's a sequel. I hope it's a sequel because at least then it's like you're not trying to just erase the image of the of the first one, which is kind of what they yeah, feel like. Yeah, don't don't remake it. I mean, just just do a sequel. Yeah, it's like the rumored uh, remake of Big Trouble in Little China with a rock. Where I'm like, no, oh no. good lord, we don't need that. I don't need that. Come on, I've already I've got the original. I'm good. Uh, so Space Jam. Good solid flick. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, we go to uh, the People versus Larry Flint, which is kind of an oddball one. But I remember seeing this uh, because this is when uh, Woody Harrelson was kind of going into, you know, he had just done uh, two years before this, uh, Natural Born Killers, mm-hmm. and before that, it was like he was always Woody from Cheers, and all right. of a sudden, Woody mm-hmm. was a serial killer, which a little weird. Um, but this was good because it told the story of. Uh, <laughs> A not very nice person. I mean, you know, Larry Flint, for you know, for all of his fighting for the First Amendment, was was also not really a, a very nice person. Yeah. And uh, but it was an interesting flick. It was an interesting flick because it made you think. Um, and it was also the one time when I was kind of like, eh, Courtney Love isn't a terrible person. And uh, you know, but yeah, whatever. So uh, yeah, so you got uh, Woody Harrelson, Courtney Love, Edward Norton, uh, pretty solid cast, and and also just. Uh, a really interesting story and 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 I think well told and uh, you know it's it's worth watching because again Woody mm-hmm. Harrelson and uh, now going to another Woody Harrelson flick of course <laughs> Kingpin which another back to back Woody Murray. yeah and then we've got Randy Quaid another Randy Quaid before he went completely off the rocker cousin Eddie I mean it, honestly if you had to pick out of those three guys Woody Randy and Bill who would you have figured would have gone nuts first my money probably would have been on either Woody or Bill honestly. I don't know. I think it would have gone with Randy. Yeah, I think I was lying to myself. Totally, it would have been Randy. It always was. It was always Randy. He it seemed, was always going he, to be Randy. He, 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 you know, cousin Eddie seemed too on the nose for him. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it kind of seemed like there wasn't much acting going on, really. No, no. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> so you get. I mean, how can you get any better than an Amish kid who wants to be a professional bowler and then the professional bowler trying to teach him, but he lost his hand so he can't bowl anymore? <laughs> and then you've got Bill Murray as the nemesis who, like, kind of, like, put him in place to lose that hand. Oh, and all, my, oh my. It's so, it's such a weird flick, but is is just. Bill Murray you know, f- plays a great bad guy in this one. Yes, Ernie McCracken. Uh-huh. What a great flick. Oh, uh-huh. my God. Yeah, it's great. Oh, I haven't watched this in, in too long. I need to I need to catch up on this one. Mm. Uh, and then finishing out my my uh, my honorable mentions here, From Dusk Till Dawn, uh, which, of mm-hmm. course, uh, directed by Robert Rodriguez, written by Quentin Tarantino with an assist from Robert Kurtzman on the story, and then starring Harvey Keitel, George Clooney, and Juliette Lewis, along with, uh, you know, along with uh, Quentin Tarantino and uh, and several other folks, but, oh, man. Salma Hayek. Yes, Selma Hayek playing a part in it. Danny Trejo, of course, mm-hmm. because, I mean, and Cheech is in it as well. <laughs> uh, I mean, because you can't... Good you old can't ha- Cheech. And then Fred Williamson. 
mm-hmm. course, the the hammer mm-hmm. uh, from back in the day. I mean, it, it's so it's it's a it's a weird flick because you kind of go from like this gritty kind of crime drama to all of a sudden middle way, midway through like oh no guess what it's a vampire movie yeah what mm-hmm. like it just it turns on a freaking dime oh my gosh it is so weird and kind of dark and yet it is a it's kind of a fun popcorn sort of movie you know yeah. it just gets yeah. so weird and and like any robert rodriguez movie even if you kind of get to a point where you're like eh, i don't know if this is really my jam you kind of keep watching because it just keeps moving. Like, mm-hmm. it's just so kinetic. It just keeps moving. So you're like, well, you know what? Even if I'm not digging this, it's going to be over pretty quick because this thing is just moving right along. Right, right. So, all right, I might as well stick around for the end. I think it's an underrated flick yeah. um, out of his filmography. But And George Clooney playing a, a great part here. And, and Quentin Tarantino acquitting himself quite well as an actor, um, which isn't always the case. But he does all right here. Of course, he just has to kind of be creepy, which is kind of a specialty for Quentin. He does that really well <laughs> as, as an actor. As a person, I've, I've heard, you know, well, I've heard varying things, so I'm not going to go there. Uh, so, yeah, that rounds up my top five, uh, my, well, my five special mentions, nice. shall we say. Nice. Solid. All right, so, and after this, uh, we have our five surprises, which is where things went really off the rails last time. So let's see if we can not do that this time. <laughs> so uh, what do you got for your five surprises here, sir? Uh, I actually have four. Uh, what? I, I did have five, but I took one off because it wasn't really a surprise. But my, my first one is Executive Decision, which stars Kurt Russell, John Leguizamo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what's interesting in this one is Steven Seagal is part of this. Mm-hmm. And... As we he was kind of, top billed in the movie, I believe. He he well he was, and what was really kind of shocking about it, and and this is where I put it down, you know, kind of put it in the category of surprise, is in the movie. Spoiler alert! Um, which <laughs> for a twenty five year old movie, twenty five year old movie. <laughs> um, in case you haven't been watching TBS for the last twenty five years, right? What, what was really because it's on every Saturday. What was shocking about it was the fact that there's a point in the movie where, so so it's about a a, a flight that's been hijacked, and there's a military team that is getting basically trying to board the plane to try to help you know kind of take it back over, and Steven Seagal is in it, and he's playing kind of the head of of the military team and he ends up um having to sacrifice himself which was at the time of 96 a huge thing Mm. because steven seagal being in a movie he was like the hero yeah you know what i mean like like if he if if he was in a flick he was going to be the the guy you know Mm -hmm. and i remember watching in the theater and there's this point where um you know Oliver Platt's in it, and he is he he is phenomenal as kind of the techie guy. Um, mm-hmm. But they end up kind of linking up with this with this airline, and they get the military team up. And Steven Seagal's the last one, and he realizes that they're going to lose pressure before he can get in and close it. So he, he has to sacrifice himself. And I remember watching that, and like that was kind of really different for for that time because. You know, there were just certain characters you never expected to to die mm-hmm. in in a movie, 
And and I, I actually went to the theater to see this one. And I remember thinking to myself, just, just being very shocked by the fact that he was killed off. But he was. And so that's why I kind of put that one as a surprise, because it was just so off from from the pattern, you know, that had kind of been established for, for movies that he was in. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it was a good action flick. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, top notch, I would say, but it but it but it was good. You know, I mean, it was it was a very solid kind of predator type flick where you have the military team kind of going in and trying to execute a certain mission and, and Kurt Russell was good and everyone on the cast was was solid. But but I, I, I just remember the, the fact that Seagal was kind of knocked off early was kind of a big deal. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if I would call it a gimmick, but it was kind of done in a gimmicky kind of way. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, we're, we're just it was unexpected. So it, it just was therefore that much more surprising when it happened. Yeah. So my next flick is uh, That Thing You Do. Mm-hmm. I did not expect to like this sort of movie. This was kind of about a kind of a foursome of friends who are, are musical and in the 60s and kind of hit that sort of Beach Boys vibe uh, at that time and, and hit it big uh, for a particular song that, that they play and then fall from grace very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I just remember thinking, like, this looks like the dumbest movie ever. And I remember watching it like, <laughs> this is actually kind of a fun movie. Yeah. You know, and, and, and all the guys in it are solid. There's 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 a character in it who is, you know, trying to be the artist and he loses kind of sight of what's important. You have the drummer. Um, you know, again, I don't know all the actors' names uh, off the top of my head, but but just a solid cast top to bottom. And, and, you know, I think it was a Tom Hanks kind of influenced movie or, or directed well, movie. Well, he was, he had a, he had a, a role in it. I know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he, he plays the role as their agent. I don't remember if he directed or produced it, but it, it was under his, his, I think it was one of the first films done under his, his company, Playtone. Um, wow. He, he wrote and directed. Oh, did he? Okay. But it, it just turned out to be a fun movie. You know, it was just a fun flick. Not one that I would put in the top echelon, not the one that I would put in a special mention, but it's one of those movies that when it's on, I'll throw it on and I'll watch it for a little bit, maybe not you know to the end, because it's just it's just a fun movie and it has a it has a you know a story with heart to it that that I enjoy. So, uh, so that thing you do was 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 a surprise for me for that year. Wow, uh, that, that has a that has Liv Tyler and Charlize Theron in it. Yes. Yes, I did. I, I knew I knew Liv Tyler. I did not know show, uh, Charlize was in that. I did not know Charlize was in, was in that either. I don't think she was and, at her in her heyday yet. So that no. probably was an early role for her. And Chris Isaac, of you know, wicked game you play, the, the crying like <laughs> video with Kathy <laughs> Ireland. Uh, he was in it too as Uncle Bob. And actually, so the oh my gosh, really? So Ethan Embry. Yes, just credited as the bass player. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, he is the no most respect. mysterious character in that because he just kind of disappears at some point. No respect for the bass players. No respect. Oh my gosh! And then uh, uh, Rita Wilson, who was apparently she played a waitress who was flirting with uh, the drummer, who's called Shades. I don't remember the actor's name. She was in Runaway Bride, Now and Then, Sleepless in Seattle, and Jingle All the Way. Those are that's what she's known for. Like and she happens to be Tom Hanks' wife. Oh yeah, that's right. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> and wow. she's responsible for that big fat Greek wedding. Really? Yes. That that was more of a story from her life that she brought to the screen. Interesting. All right, so I, I've I've got to find out here. So, um, Uncle Todd that, works IMDb. Let's see what happens. That thing you do was Charlize Theron's third movie. Uh, the two, well, the third movie that was released. Mm-hmm. So the the two before that were Two Days in the Valley, mm. and <laughs> first credit on her IMDb page. Children of the Corn 3, oh, Urban Harvest. Oh, good she, Lord. She is Eli's follower, Uncredited, which, I mean, that's a wise early career movie right there for her, <laughs> let me tell you. That's, that's, some, that's some savvy right off the bat from, mm-hmm. uh, from young Charlize Theron. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my yep. gosh. All right. Anyways, I didn't mean to go down that rabbit trail, but I just had to know. So just a fun flick about, you know, kind of those one hit wonders and, you know, just that that time period from the 60s. Um, I forget who the guitarist was. He, he's an actor that's been in other, you know, TV shows and movies as well. I, I can't think of his name. I don't know if you're on, still on the page or not. No, I, I closed that tab. There's no going back. Yeah, now. no, he, he's super funny. And then the lead singer is the one who's kind of the artist who gets a little too caught up in in things and. So, anyways, it's it, it it's it's a fun story, and I I just remember watching it and being like surprised by how I was kind of drawn into it and, and enjoying mm-hmm. it. So, so that's when I put on my surprises. Uh, Tin Cup was another surprise, um, a surprise, but yet at the same time as we talked about, you know, Kevin Costner kind of proving himself to be kind of the the all around sportsman sort of uh, flick actor. At, mm. at, you know, at that time. Um, well, no, I I still think he's king of the sports flicks. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Just from Bull Durham to this to you know, for love of the game. I mean, he he just embodies that kind of down on his luck sort of player who has his moment of greatness. And in this movie, as we talked about, the moment of greatness isn't so much about winning the tournament as it is making the impossible shot. Yes, uh, and and I just remember watching Tin Cup, and and like that was the moment that really just kind of stuck with me was that that idea of it's not about winning what everyone sees as the prize; it's about making the. I think the way he puts it is, "Are you going to let the moment define you, or you, or are you going to define the moment?" Yeah, which again is one of those. Which things is a in great a movie, quote. A great quote. In a movie, it's great. Yes. However, I the more I've thought about this, you know, it, it is kind of interesting because there is something to be said for the fact that not everyone's going to be Tiger Woods, not everyone's going to be Arnold Palmer, not everyone's right. going to be LeBron James. Right. But everyone could have that one transcendent moment yes. that they did not th- that they either didn't think they could do or they believe that they could do and everyone else is like that's just crazy. You can't do that. We can we can all experience that at some point in our life if we if we take the chance to actually put ourselves out there to be embarrassed, you know, for the pos- the possibility of like you could fail gloriously, and it doesn't need to be like when your entire life is on the line. But if you have that moment right. where just everything comes together and you do something that you're like, oh my gosh, that just happened, and you and right. you manage to get just a sliver of what a person like Tiger Woods or, or one of these great athletes 
or or take your pick of any you know an artist you know when they finish their painting their masterpiece or whatever that they get to experience maybe on a on a grander scale right but we can all access that it's in some small way and it just one it's awareness but also the willingness to 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 try exactly and what I enjoyed from the movie was that idea of it, it isn't so much winning the prize that defines the player. Mm-hmm. It's the moment that that they play through. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Like, like he, he wasn't defined by the fact that he, like he lost the tournament. Mm-hmm. He purposefully lost the tournament because what his focus was on was not so much winning the tournament – but making this incredible shot that no one has ever made before on that 18th hole. Mm -hmm. And when he makes that shot, that's where all the focus is. No one cares about the fact that his nemesis, Don Johnson, won the tournament. Yeah. All the focus is on him in that incredible shot, and that was kind of the culmination of, of the story, was his ability to kind of play the one hole that mattered and play it in a way that everyone's talking about it. Yes, he didn't win the prize, but he made the memorable moment that everyone's going to now look back on. Yeah. Well, and it, and and Renee Russo's character puts it perfectly. She's yeah. like, you know, no one's going to know know next year, or the year after, 5 years from now who won the Open this year. Exactly. But they're always going to remember that shot. Exactly. Exactly. You know, she says it's immortal. You know, and I think that's uh, we're all looking for that. We're all looking for some moment, something about us that we can point to. That's like, ah, I was here, you know, that sort of thing. Right. And I think that right. appeals to it, and it appeal, and it works for the character too, because that character has those self destructive tendencies right from the beginning. Yep. But is also known as like a great striker of the ball. Yep. Not as a not as like the greatest player ever. You know, the person who can who can play a course, any course, and and do this and that and the other. But as a, as person who's who just hits that shot, right? Just right. pure and true. And so, in that moment, to to seek that, like I just I want to make this. It totally it, it makes sense in the universe and for that character, for them to just all of a sudden their tunnel vision just is is just so focused on that one thing. It makes total sense. And you're also right there with them. Like I kind of want to root for you, but. Please no stop. Yeah, just stop. Yeah, you know. Oh, it was, it was great. Great. I could talk. We could talk about that movie for another an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. We better move on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, last surprise is yes. going to be a surprise. Okay. So it's a movie surprise called me. Solo. Wait a minute. Didn't that just come out a couple of years ago? Oh, Did I black out for a few Uncle years. Todd, you think it went? You know, you think it might have been, but this is totally different. This is starring one. Mario Van Peebles. Wait a minute, what's in this bottle of old Forrester? Did I, what's Oh oh Mario Van Oh oh yes, him of uh what was what was the abandoned movie that we watched? Oh my gosh. Was that the uh oh that was the battleship movie that was just awful. Oh yeah, that was wretched. Anyways <sighs> Mario Van Peebles. For our yes. fans, there is a lost show that we will not publish. <laughs> An idea was, that has gone wrong, and we have decided to spare the masses from the wretchedness yeah. that it, that it was. But we I, took that show out back in old Yellard. It really quick. Oh, we did. And and, and I'm going to read the summary of this one because oh, please, you don't understand how much of a surprise this is. Mario Van People stars as an android killing weapon. 
Oh, well. Designed by the military and utilized to enter into a Latin American war to destroy the rebels. Natives right. fighting simply to maintain their freedom. Contrary to his programming, he develops an affinity for the villagers and decides to help them fight back. This lets his creators bring him back and ultimately leads to one of them being given more powerful circuitry to defeat him. I give you the solo that came before the Star Wars solo and one of the hidden nuggets. Because <laughs> I can't call it a gem. It's a hidden nugget of 1996, baby. Mario That's Van it. Peebles, you know... Just just doing it as only Mario fan peoples can, baby. It'd be like you get one of those geodes where you're expecting you're going to crack it open. It's going to have all the cool crystals inside, and you go to crack it open. You're like, oh, no, it's a dog turd. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was unexpected and so, unpleasant. I had to throw that in as my uh, Wand of the Wicked Warden uh, oh. 1996 celebratory selection. So you're welcome. Wow. Oh man, that was that's that's rough. And that that's was only four one. movies because I didn't have a good fifth. So there you have it. Well, you know what the the solo one we'll count that for two. Um, so my five, I'm going to start off with this one, and uh, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna probably balk at this one. It's called Hardcore Logo. Now before <laughs> before you start thinking that I have I have a condo in the gutter. Is this, this Wanda is, the Wicked Warden 2? <laughs> no, this has a 7.3 uh, star rating on IMDb. Ah, there you go. And uh, it, it, the, re the main reason I went with this one, so th this, is the, uh, this is the summary. A group of washed-up Canadian punk rockers get back together for a road trip in memory of a dear friend who has supposedly shot or so, or who was supposedly shot, or so rumors imply. As they travel, they ignore the underlying psychological darkness within each other. So I thought that was kind of intriguing. What I really found intriguing is the fact that our good friend Callum Keith Rennie, otherwise known as Lee Oben, oh. is one of the stars of this movie. Interesting. That kind of appealed to me. I thought that would uh, that would be interesting. So he plays a uh, very nice. A, uh, uh, Billy Talent William Boise. Uh, I guess he has two names in this movie, because why not? Um, and uh, so if you might, and then from here, this basically gets into just surprises as in, oh my dear God, this is wretched, because that's what I found. I, I just kind of went past all those movies, and I'm like, oh, well, this is just another set of honorable mentions to, let's find the worst crap possible. So ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Santa with Muscles. Which is a, a two Uncle Todd special, a two point six star rating out of ten. Just in case you're wondering, that ain't out of five. That's out of ten on IMDb. Uh, and the the summary for this one is: an evil millionaire believes he is Santa Claus after an accident renders him an amnesiac. So this one stars Hulk Hogan. <laughs> And oh, good lord! And Clint Howard, you know Ron Howard's brother, Clint Howard, and oh, every Ron lord. Howard movie you've ever seen. Ed Begley Jr., ladies and gentlemen, is in this. Mila Kunis. Oh my gosh! Which I believe this has to be like one of her first flicks. It has to be. Has if to be not, at the beginning of that '70s show, if anything. 
If not, she needs to fire her agent retroactively. Um, Carmel already has. Wow. Uh, no, this was actually she'd been in been in doing stuff for two years before this. She'd actually done a bunch of episodes of Baywatch, Good Hudson Lord. Street, whatever that whatever that was, the John Larroquette Show. Wow. Woo! And Days of Our Lives. So, uh, but yeah, a, a very young Mila Kunis, and uh, and ladies and gentlemen, Garrett Morris. <laughs> Saturday Night Live's Garrett <laughs> Morris. Wow. I mean, why not? And uh, Robin Curtis, ye of uh, Star Trek Four fame. Very nice. And Star Trek Three and uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, apparently. And MacGyver, which I don't know who she was in any of these. And honestly, I don't care to know. I just know it was a movie. And that's about the best you can say for it. Uh, next up in my surprises, as in... Dear God, this actually happened. Someone actually greenlit this movie. Lawnmower Man 2, Beyond Cyberspace. Oh, sweet Moses. Just in case Lawnmower Man 1 left any questions to be answered, <laughs> thank God we have Lawnmower Man 2, and thank goodness we went beyond cyberspace, because, I mean, shouldn't we all go beyond cyberspace? Mm -hmm. So, should I even bother reading the summary for this? Oh, why not? Up to you. Job Job, who is apparently the main character, the lawnmower man, if you will, is resuscitated by Jonathan Walker, whoever Jonathan Walker is. We don't know. We don't care. Unless it's Johnny Walker, in which case I'm mildly interested. Uh, he wants Job to create a special computer chip that would connect all the computers in the world into one network which Walker would control and use. But what Walker doesn't realize is a group of teenage hackers ooh, are on to him and, and out to put a stop to his plan. Those wily teenagers. Yeah, so you know with the hackers, there's a whole lot of, like, you know, black screen with green writing and stuff happening, and, oh, yeah, you know it's, uh, it's going to be horrible. Oh, man, I never watched that movie. I just want to let you know, like, the so, so far I have not watched any of these movies. So now we get into the final two. These are movies that, much to my shame, I actually have watched. <laughs> And I will, ladies I will and gentlemen. Vouch. Uncle Todd brings you confession time, brought to you by Glenlivet <sighs> Single Malt Scotch Whiskey. Oh well, no, that's what you got. I've I've got Old Forester 1897 bottled in bond, a classy beverage for an unclassy list. Well, I just <laughs> wanted to just you know bring that out. So there you have it. Although the Glenlivet would be quite nice as well. <laughs> uh, so the the next one here is <sighs> barbed wire. <laughs> Said with pride. The, the summary which reads thusly, During the second American Civil War in 2017, Barbed Wire owns a nightclub called The Hammerhead. Things become complicated when her ex-lover Axel Hood, who is married to the fugitive Karina Devonshire, re-enters her life. So this one features as the Can I just say main something? character. Yes, please. Anything. <laughs> I don't Anything at all. try to pass myself off as a writer in any way shape or form but if these are uh, the names they're coming up with i think i'm doing pretty well for myself <laughs> oh no 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 axel hood <laughs> there there's a character in here listed as big fatso oh there you have it how, how about speedometer wheel you know i mean yeah. can, can can we have a few more names that are just awful well, all you really need to know is that this was the the Pamela Anderson vehicle oh, that, that uh, does from 1996, 
And the, and the, the second best thing that you can say about it is that it was only an hour and 38 minutes long, so it was blessedly short. An hour and 38 <laughs> more than my life has. It was rated. It is currently rated at 3.3 stars out of 10 oh, and a Lord. 40 Metascore. Uh, and its popularity is, oddly enough, trending downward. <laughs> Shocking. I mean, as, more, as more people are born, more people stumble into this movie and more people are scarred by it. So, last one. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, wow. I did not. I, I just saw something that can be kind of interesting with this. Next one. The last one for me is a movie called Celtic Pride. Two overloyal Celtic fans kidnap their opponent's star player in order to guarantee their team the championship. This was starring Damon Wayans as the uh, as the the opponent's star player, Daniel Stern, uh, Home Alone's Daniel Stern, and Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> Now, the funny part of this is this was written by Judd Apatow. Uh, I, I'm, I mangled his name right there. Whatever. Uh, and Colin Quinn, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Remote wow. controls Colin Quinn. Sing along with Colin. Was uh, was in the uh, wrote helped write this. And uh, oh my. Oh, hey, Christopher McDonald's in this, too. So Shooter McGavin's Shooter in McGavin. this. Shooter um, McGavin. And Best who else Deion Sanders plays himself. Bill Walton plays himself. Yeah, it's it's not a star-filled thing, and it's it's not good. It's it's not good. Um, it's rated five and a half, five point three stars out of ten. Um, I think that's being generous, quite yeah. honestly. Yeah. Another movie that it's like it's an it clocks in at ninety-one minutes, which you know at least it's blessedly brief. That's about the best you can say for it it's not really good uh not a high point 91 for any. minutes of my life i haven't wasted thank you yeah it's it's not a high point for anyone involved and essentially this is a you know i'm getting paid in cash right sort of flick so yeah i hate to end on a downer but there it is <laughs> well at least it's ending on a celtic kind of note we do have that which and, uh, we, you know, we do have celtic pride baby and good lord i mean after after years of people, a couple of years of people like, oh, we ought to trade, you know, Jason Tatum. We ought to trade trade the young mm -hmm. guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, how's that working out? You bunch of bankers. But I, I I do want to say before we move on. Yes, please. With, with ninety six, you know, and, and as we mentioned, a quarter before, century ago, sir. Quarter century ago, pretty stacked year for movies, though. You know, a lot of movies. Yeah. That we haven't yeah. mentioned that were of high quality: Fargo, Sling Blade, yes, uh, Courage Fargo Under Fire, actually, which was a Meg Ryan one that was really good. Uh, early Matt Damon flick. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, there was. I mean, I probably should have mentioned Fargo because I actually have seen that, and that was it was solid. If that not, won like, the just Oscar. Utterly year, creepy. Didn't it? I if it didn't, it should have. I think it did. Um, I think it did. No, just just a, a very very strong year. I mean, it's it's funny to compare ninety six to seventy seven because, as you and I saw when we went through the list of seventy seven, it was just like the movie industry seemed just like all over the place. Yes. At least in ninety six, you were like, okay, the top fifty are like very clear kind of. I can tell a movie company kind of released this for a very specific reason. You know what I mean? Yeah, although I can see the idea that the way that the film in industry operated in 77 led to mm -hmm. getting to a point of where you're in in 96. Right, um, right. 
I'll but, link this in the show notes because it'll it'll take way too long to explain. You didn't but find Gogol thirteen. You didn't find Wanda the Wicked Warden. Well, the, in quite honestly, we just didn't dig down far enough. Like I, you had like, to go was, pretty deep. There was something like three thousand movies from nineteen ninety six. When I was looking at like how many are left, because it was like you know one of you know one to through fifty of you know however many thousands of movies. There was a lot of movies that came out in ninety six. Mm-hmm. You know, and so but the, so there's a Frank Zappa interview where he talks about how the record industry has changed, and I'll link it in the show notes uh, because it's one of my favorite in, uh, interviews because it to me it's still true, but it was very much like I feel like in seventy seven it's so scattered because they're just trying stuff. You know, they're just trying stuff, and there's still that element of like, okay, let's let's just start trying stuff and, and seeing what will happen. And it's a it's a much more there's definitely some stuff that's just like, hey, let's just try and churn a buck sort of thing. Um, but you you wind up at a point where you get to like 1996, and of course this is after like the indie kind of that early 90s indie film revolution had happened because that's where Robert Rodriguez came from. That's where, you know, Quentin Tarantino came from. And, and, you know, even though they weren't heavily featured in this year, their influence was felt, you know, and you start seeing a lot of that come out and a lot of that, let's just throw stuff at the wall. Yeah. But it was also a direct result of like Star Wars and the blockbuster because, I mean, you look at our top fives, we are. We were totally like in the popcorn mode. We were not watching the Sling Blades. We were not watching. Right. You know, I watched Fargo, but I didn't right. go to the theater to see it. I'm pretty sure I might have caught it on VHS. Like, I, I caught it on rental that later that year or the next year. Yep. Uh, those yep. are not the movies I was going to. I was going to see The Rock. I was going to see Independence Day, mm-hmm. Scream, Twister. Uh, those are the movies I was going to see. And so, but you didn't have as many of those back in '77 because blockbuster really wasn't a thing then. Right. You know, and I guarantee, like, of, of course, Independence Day was released on, you know, July 4th weekend. Uh, and, and The Rock and I'm pretty sure Scream and Twister were all released in the summer. Yeah. You know, because that was the new thing, like the summer blockbuster. Mission and Impossible so, was May. Yeah. So you get it, it was a whole different scheme of things. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's a it's interesting to see how the industry had changed in just under 20 years. Agreed. And another thing. Well, so, sir, what have you got for And Another Thing this week? Uh, my And Another Thing uh, might be considered kind of pedestrian, but I, I feel the need to call it out. Uh, over oh, no, the holiday- sir. Don't, don't, short, don't shortchange yourself like that, sir. <laughs> this is not pedestrian. This is wonderful. <laughs> I kind of wish this stuff. was broken into more episodes, honestly. But <sighs> yes. it's, uh, it's unfortunately contained in one. Over the holidays, uh, after kind of blowing through the holiday movies we wanted to see, we, we definitely settled in as a family to watch Disney Gallery, Star Wars, The Mandalorian, the mm. making of season two. Um, yes. Very cool episode. Uh, kind of wish they had broken it up into smaller chunks to just kind of deep dive into things like the Ahsoka episode, uh, mm. deep dive into uh, the Peyton Reed finale. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, directed by Peyton Reed, and and just to kind of dive in a little bit more detail, but they they do get to some level of detail through it, and it yeah. it, it is still interesting nonetheless. But I just wanted to kind of call that out as as just a great great watch. Um, it, it is listed under uh, season two of Disney Gallery, so I'm kind of hopeful that they're going to bring out more episodes. But yeah, I don't think they are. I think watch, Jim Dice had yeah, it pegged. When, when when you watch that one you do see that it, it, it does cover, you know, from, from start to finish the 
you know season two arc overall and so probably not but but just just a good watch and uh you know just again reinforces the good hands that i think the franchise is in right now with 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 the uh tag team as i call it of favreau and filoni because they are uh right on the money it's great to see two fans of of the franchise kind of leading it forward uh, as mm-hmm. they have with this series, and I'm really excited to see with these other, you know, shows as we talked with Jimmy Dice about, just to see where they're going to take it, you know, kind kind of in the future. Totally, and and as much as I kind of you know, whinged on about how it was only going to be you know an hour or so episode, they actually fit a lot in there. There was a they do it was not, oh absolutely it was not kind of thin sort of padded content like they gave nope. you some really good information and they they did make it a really nice making of uh, the thing that i found weird is like zero talk about luke skywalker yeah zero yeah. yeah like the biggest thing that happened in that in that entire season and it was zero time dedicated to it like they brought you right up to it and then you're expecting like okay they're going to talk about ah, credits no i want i want all the details on that <laughs> but i also understand why they didn't you know i mean it then yeah, that becomes yeah. kind of the big thing, whereas it really was more about the journey. We, you can get locked into like the last five minutes of that season finale and and think that's the whole story when it really isn't. There was so much that happened over that season. It was so great. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm I'm actually going to stay in a, a similar vein, going with a documentary, and this is something I just watched last night. Nice. And I, last night or maybe early this morning i don't know I, it was a rough night getting to sleep last night so uh i i, I realized that once again i've forgotten to cancel my wwe app uh <laughs> me- network membership <laughs> sorry honey i'm blowing 10 bucks a month on something i forgot about Burr. just handing vince my cash with every month without even realizing just take it. it vince take it and so I, I watched a bunch of shows last night, much to the chagrin of my the rest of my family, who retired to the to the bedroom, shut the door on me, and left me with the cat. And we're just like, you two deal with this. And the cat was like, I'm going to bed. Actually, I'm going to lick my butt, then go to bed. And I, it was just- I got to ask, were, were, were you watching it out of a sense of trying to get the most out of your 350? A little bit. A little bit. But then I realized- 350. Damn you, Loch Ness Monster! Um, I was- <laughs> I was actually I was actually surprised with how much content there is on there mm-hmm. and uh, but this was actually a, a really good documentary. So yeah. the Mortician is a, a documentary on Bill Moody, who mm. was uh, who is also known as Paul Bearer, the manager for the Undertaker. And we, of course, if you've listened to any of the past shows, you know we we kind of geeked out about uh, the Undertaker's uh, you know career and 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 the Last Ride documentary series and all that. Paul Bearer is such an integral part of the Undertaker character, especially that early kind of third of his career, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of funny when you think you, you're talking about a dude who had a 30-year career. And like for 10 years, you think, that's wow, that's some career. That was just the first third of his career. And, uh, him, and him and Paul Bearer were like inseparable when the lights are on, out by the ring, and also traveling and all that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the, the 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 whole thing is just learning more about Bill Moody, the guy behind Paul Bearer, and the idea that to me the, the thing that was mind blowing, like his two childhood dreams were to be a wrestler and a mortician. <laughs> like those two things don't really go together. I think, but he, in the end, I think he achieved one of them. I don't think physically he could achieve the other. <laughs> 
Well, the funny thing was he, he did train as a wrestler and he worked as a wrestler for a while. No kidding. And then I guess someone came to him and was like, you ever thought about being a manager? And he's like, you could take that two ways. Like, yeah. you're so good, you know, that we really want to get you, you know, more out there. Because before that, I think he was working under a under a mask and all that. You know, we want to get you out in front. We, you know, we think there's possibilities for you in your facial expressions and talking. He's like, or you're so bad at wrestling, you really ought to consider some other options. <laughs> Which, right. you know, makes sense. But the fact that this dude was a certified mortician, he went to school to become a mortician and actually was a mortician on and mm-hmm. off through his career. Right. right. And and that's actually like that was his moneymaker job, really. And and also, but just finding out the, the more about this guy and who he was and his personality and everything else. And oh, it was it was really a lot of fun, and it was one of those things where I told my wife this morning, I was like, I actually think you would have enjoyed that, like because it got into his into his home life and the fact that right. he was married to his wife for thirty years, which, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, a lot of that he's traveling and stuff like that. And he's like, you know, in this business, yeah, that's not that's not the norm, right, right. You know, I mean, traveling that the the kind of schedule these guys did not back easy. in the day, not easy. No, I mean that's hell on a relationship, man. And and uh, but just a really interesting cat. And also, it it brought you all the way up to when he was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, and and when his 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 sons came out there. And one of his sons does like a like a dead on impression of the Paul Bearer <laughs> voice. Like, oh yeah, oh I'm yeah. Like, and it's, it was creepy and heartwarming all at the same time. Like, oh, my gosh, that's it? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, it was great. And and the whole the whole thing was just really, really good, you know? Nice. I, it was a really done nice. well documentary. And I would, I, if even if you're only peripherally interested in wrestling, it's still a, it's still a good watch because it's, it's really the story of this guy and a guy achieving his dreams, which yeah. is, is always a fun thing to see, you know? All right, so we ought to draw this to a close. We've we've gone longer than we had planned on. We once again two episodes, second episode into 2021. We're already uh, breaking our resolutions and going for going longer than we thought. Resolutions but, uh, are made to be broken, brother. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, pretty much. And and so are bottles of of bourbon and scotch. Absolutely. And, well. Hopefully after they're empty. And uh, so thank you all very much. Thank you all the members of the, the Free Range Idiocy Congregation. We <laughs> so appreciate you being here tonight. And uh, if you would just, uh, you know, as we pass the collection plate at the end of the evening. Amen. Here, we, uh, we would, uh, you know, we, we love to hear the, cha- the the money that jingles, but we'd rather hear the money that folds. <laughs> uh, so if, uh, you know, as we're passing the collection plate, you know, yeah, pull, pull, pull something, something in there. And, and, <laughs> for, for, for Uncle Todd and, and, and Mr. Tim, and uh, you know we appreciate y'all tuning in and listening. And in all seriousness, we do. This is this is pure fun for us. This mm-hmm. is pure, uh, just two friends getting a chance to, uh, to to BS each week. And we appreciate anyone and everyone who tunes in and listens to this and might get some chuckles out of it because, as we all know, we're all in dire need of some chuckles. Let's just say that 2021 got off to a, a rather roaring start. Auspicious we were, uh, start. <laughs> we are not hoping for and um, as as 20. 2020, uh, 2020, yeah, <laughs> Buck Rogers. As 2020 <laughs> has been, uh, we and and just to, uh, for a moment to be serious, I, don't panic. This ain't going to be a very special episode of Free Range Idiots or anything. Oh boy. Uh, we we do hope that 
over the past year or so as as the world has been dealing with covid and various things that this has been a way for people to to actually get a couple of laughs Mm -hmm. to enjoy themselves to get an escape from all that that's really all we're hoping for we're not trying to change the world to this podcast and uh you know we just hope that this has been a a way for you to get a couple laughs and maybe get some information that you didn't know or you know or geek out with us or whatever if if you've gotten something out of this we are glad uh because uh, honestly the the last the last year has been uh not exactly what anyone has expected Mm. so uh if we can be part of that we are just very thankful and we're thankful that you listen so thank you to everyone out there who has subscribed and listened and we really do appreciate you tagging along for this uh idiotcy as we like to put it uh if you have enjoyed this be sure to subscribe we are on apple Podcasts, spotify we're on podbean if you go to freerangeidiocy.com you can see all of our episodes and uh be sure to tell a friend an enemy friends uh family strangers on the streets whatever we're not picky Follow us on the social medias. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Free Range Idiocy. You can also send all of your comments, harangues, rants, outright bribery offers to Tim at FreeRangeIdiocy.com, and he will respond to those forthwith, if not quicker. Mm-hmm. Now, as we draw to a close, I, I take this opportunity at this point in the show, and well, preach your brother. Quite honestly, at this point in the show now, because we've been, uh, we are now two plus hours. Uh, you know what? And about a I'm quarter gonna, of a Glen Livid in. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. I'm actually pouring myself another little bit of Old Forester here, and I'm. I like to sit here and, you know, just very uh, sophisticatedly uh, mull the, the the bourbon around in the glass. Let it aerate a little bit. Let it uh, just kind of reflect back on the, the aromatics, the, baby. The aromatics, yes, that means absolutely nothing. But uh, I, I like to think back on the episode, reflect, and thoughtfully sip my bourbon and just, oh, damn, that's good. Um, and, and just stay focused, turn, brother, stay focused. Turn to the man who's sitting next to the man who's sitting next to the man. Who said? Oh wait, I'm sorry. That's a that's a Robin Harris bit. Um, and I like to turn to Tim and say, "Sir, mm-hmm. over this time that we have spent together with a congregation yes, today, brother. the hell have we learned? We have learned the following. Okay, good. You have a list. Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. as Grand Admiral Thrawn. Let's make this happen. Let's make this happen. Oh, can I just tell you, I had to. Wa- I watched Doolittle. I'm Last sorry. <laughs> what a stinking pony loaf that was. Oh, good lord. That's that's part of the reason why I don't want him to diverge from what he was as Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that might not be a good move. Get, just give me Tony Stark and Sherlock Holmes forever. Amen. I'm good. Mara Jade, the character from the, mm. the original Thrawn trilogy, Timothy Zahn, early 90s trilogy of books. Mara Jade in live action Star Wars. Let's make this happen. With a Scottish accent. Arg! <laughs> I don't. That's a pirate, dude. <laughs> I, Karen, Karen Gillan would punch you in the gob for that. All right. Punch you right in the gob. <laughs> oh my gosh. Movies of 1996. Folks, stacked year for movies overall. Mm. A lot of great content out there. Uh, check it out. Check out IMDb. If you haven't seen some of these flicks, uh, do do watch them. I mean, just just a lot of. I was really struck by by the the, the number of quality flicks for, for that year. 
And be sure you check out Santa with Muscles. Yeah, check out Santa with Muscles. Uh, a, 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 you know, after kind of looking at 77, uh, 96, a revelation of sorts. You know what I mean? A little bit, a little bit. A little bit, a little bit. And and finally, you know, just to take a beat from, from Uncle Todd, uh, Bill Moody documentary. Check it out. Check it mm. out. Paul Bear. Oh, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, just just one of the unsung heroes of, of the wrestling industry. As always, uh, you know, be safe, be healthy, uh, be kind, be good to one another. And, uh, you know, Uncle Todd and I, we, we've been busy in the early part of this new year restocking mm. the bourbon supply. And we need oh, uh, to yes. still pay the bills. So, mm-hmm. as always, as we ask every week, Please, for goodness sakes, would you hit the lights on the way out? It's like I took the wrong week to quit drinking. I beg your pardon, what did you say? Damn! You are such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. (laughs) Get out. And don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves. I'm an agent with the uh, uh, federal FBI. Uh, well, my, I'm Stanley Goodspeed. But of course you are. You're wrong. David, why did I just send my mother to Atlanta? Do it. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God, I gotta call my brother. I better call my housekeeper. I gotta call my lawyer. Uh, forget my lawyer. I'd hit it again, because that shot was a defining moment. And when a defining moment comes along, you define the moment, or the moment defines you. Damn! I'm your huckleberry. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Hit the lights, because my undertaker is going to come to you in the dark. Oh, yes. Oh, that's that's creepy. Even though I'm the one saying it, good lord! You're giving yourself a wedgie there. <laughs> oh, you know, now that I mention it, a little bit, a little bit, I <laughs> somehow I got twisted up. I don't know what's going on here. Oh my gosh. <laughs>